This is a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Trenton, Michigan, a gospel-centered community seeking to glorify God by making, maturing, and multiplying disciples. For more information, check out fpchurch.tv. The scripture reading this morning can be found in the book of Luke, chapter 21, starting in verse 34. That's Luke, chapter 21, and it will be verses 34 through 38. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place, and to stand before the Son of Man. And every day he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and lodged on the mount called Olivet. And early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you that you are good and that your mercy endures forever. We thank you and praise you, Father, because great is your faithfulness. Lord, would you open our ears, open our hearts to hear your word this morning. Lord, let your spirit be present to teach us. And may we have this truth deeply impressed upon our hearts that we might live to your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, First Prayers. It's good to be here with you all. And as Eric said earlier, um, this does feel like coming home. Uh, I spent a couple years here as a residency and a, as a resident and as a, an intern, and um, I uh, will always remember my time here. And I continue to benefit from your prayers and. Uh, at 5.7, we're thankful for your continued support and prayers. Of course, I feel like it's a, a partnership, what we're doing on the east side of Detroit, and God has been with us. Um, a small little fledgling church plant to come out of the other side of COVID, and yet we're stronger than before COVID. Uh, that's an amazing feat, and that's uh, due to the grace of God and, and to the prayers and the support of God's people, and we're thankful for that. But at this time, I want to um, call your attention to the Word of God, and speaking to you this morning on the theme, watch yourself, watch yourself. Luke chapter 20, 21 is a, is a very serious and sober chapter in the Bible, Jesus is coming to the end of his ministry. He's, he's, he's just days before going to the cross. But in chapter 21, it's, it's as if Jesus is pronouncing a judgment upon Israel, upon the Jewish people. Jesus came to present himself as the long-awaited Messiah. As we know, the people of Israel, they had hundreds of years of prophetic oracles and writings in the Old Testament prophesying of the coming Messiah, the coming King, the coming Savior. 
And Jesus had given all the necessary evidence. He had performed all the works, fulfilled all the prophecies, preached and teached as no man ever preached or taught. And yet they rejected him. They ascribed his power to Beelzebub. They accused him of working with the devil. They refused to believe. They they rejected him. And now it's as though now that Jesus is coming to the end of his public ministry, he is now pronouncing God's judgment upon an unbelieving Jewish people who had rejected their Messiah. And so in chapter 21, he prophesies about the judgment of God coming and the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple, which is God's judgment upon the Jews for their rejection of the Messiah. And we know his, from history that, that, the, that Jerusalem was actually destroyed in A.D. 70 by the Romans. This was clearly prophesied here in Luke 21. But the interesting thing here about Luke chapter 21 is in his prophesying of the destruction of Jerusalem, in his prophesying of God's judgment upon the Jews, he gives us kind of a, a, a bigger pro- prophetic picture of the coming universal judgment that is coming one day upon all of mankind. Christ is coming in judgment upon the Jews, which took place in AD 70, but there's going to be a greater coming of the Lord. There's going to be a day in the future when the Lord will come back physically to this earth. And he's coming not just to judge the Jewish people, not just to judge Jerusalem, but he's coming to judge all the wicked. But it's also going to be a day of salvation as well. Christ is coming. He's going to return and bring judgment upon all the wicked, but he's also going to bring salvation to his people. But now what are we to do in the meantime? Are we to just chill and relax and just wait for the Lord to come back? Not at all. Because one thing he tells us also here in Luke 21 and in other places is that this intervening time, this time here between Christ's death and between his second coming, it's going to be a time of severe testing for God's people. It's a time of tribulation, a time of persecution, a time of spiritual seduction, a time of spiritual warfare. And no follower of Christ will be able to stand prepared and ready to meet their Lord who is not actively being alert and being aware and fighting to be prepared for that great day. As he tells us there in that 21st verse in our passage, if you notice what the goal is, he says there in verse 36, but stay awake at all times, praying for what? Praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. We are to be constantly pursuing the strength from God's grace. We are to be constantly seeking grace and help from God that we might be able to avoid or escape the judgment that is coming. We do not want to be judged with the wicked. And therefore, we are not to just assume 
That because we've received Christ and because we are been, we've, we've been saved in Christ, that, that we're going to escape the coming wrath. The scripture tells us that we are to make our calling and election sure. Those who are God's people, they bring forth the fruit of God's people. Yes, we are, we've been justified and all who have been justified will be glorified. But those who are justified must also go through the process of being sanctified, being conformed into the image of Christ, being made holy, bearing the fruit. All of God's elect are called to bear fruit and to demonstrate through their fruit and their obedience that they really belong to Christ. And so we must be able to show forth that fruit. We must be able to make our calling and election sure that we might know for certain that we will escape the judgment that is coming. And again, notice that he says also that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. I think about what uh, another biblical writer, I think it was John, who says that, that, we, that we ought to abide in Christ so that when he comes, we will not be ashamed before him at his appearing. We want to be able to stand with joy and confidence and hear our Lord say to us, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. But here's the thing, brothers and sisters. We as the people of God are not to assume that this is just going to happen to us, that we received Christ and now there's nothing left for us to do but just wait for him to come back and just kind of take it easy. We are constantly assaulted with satanic attacks, constantly enduring the pressures of persecution, constantly fighting to resist the seductions and temptations of sin and the allurements of this world. And the thing is, if we are not actively fighting these things, if we are not actively holding on to Christ and pursuing him, if we are not keeping our focus on that coming day and constantly fighting to be ready and prepared, brothers and sisters, we will be weakened and entangled and overtaken by the sins and the traps and the temptations of this world. And so here Jesus in this particular section after he has talked about or he has warned about the coming judgment and he has warned about his second coming and the universal judgment that's coming on all mankind. He ends this section with a warning to his disciples not to be careless, don't get careless, but watch. Notice it here in verse 34. Notice here the, the warning that he gives to his disciples in verse 34. But watch yourselves. Again, that word watch there, it, it literally means beware, be alert, pay attention, take heed, be careful. In other, in other words, this is the total opposite of taking it easy, being careless, we're not to just assume that it's all, it's all good now. All I got to do is sit back and wait. No, we must pay attention. To be alert, for us to watch ourselves, it assumes that we understand as the people of God 
that we're in the middle of a spiritual battlefield, brothers and sisters. There's nothing easy about the Christian life. And this is important for us to, especially as as modern Americans, for us to be reminded of this. Because we live in a culture where it doesn't always, it's not always obvious about the pressures against uh, of what of of uh, the pressures of persecution and the suffering that the disciples endured in the first century, but we have our pressures here nonetheless, and he's going to mention some of those in a minute. But he says, "Take heed, be alert, watch out." The Christian the Christian life is a life that is that involves watching brothers and sisters. And this is something that that the Bible calls us to in many different places. In Romans 13, 11, and 12, it says this. Romans 13, 11, and 12, it says, Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. You see, brothers and sisters, we live in this tension as, the, as Christian people. We live in that, that, that paradox of the already and the not yet. Yes, we have already received salvation in Christ. Yes, we have already been redeemed in Christ. But we have not yet come to the full realization. Our salvation is not yet fully complete. We await the glory to come as we await our Lord Jesus to return and finally put down all evil and establish his eternal kingdom. And so the call to watch and to take heed is a call for us to realize that the fight is not over yet. And again, this is something that we need to be reminded of because oftentimes we emphasize the fact that we have been saved in Christ and and Christ has saved us eternally and that all we have to do is rest in Christ and rest in God's promises that we are to rest in the finished perfect work of Christ But resting in Christ and resting in the promises of the gospel does not mean resting from the life of actively pursuing Christ. Remember what Paul told the Philippians in in Romans, I'm sorry, in Philippians chapter 3, when he says, it is not as though I have already attained this or that I have already been made perfect. He says, I am not perfect. He says, yet I forget what's behind me and I press towards the mark. Now this is the great apostle Paul. This great godly faithful man and yet he says, I have not yet attained and I'm pressing towards the mark. And so there's a mark that we all must still be pressing towards. And so he he tells us there in Romans 13, You know the time. The hour has come. Therefore, awake from sleep. In other words, that's another way of saying, watch, be alert. 
A person who is asleep is not paying attention to anything. The idea is that we are to watch and pay attention. Notice how he says, you know the time. We know that we are living in the last days. We've been in the last days for 2,000 years now. And, and the idea is this. To say that we know we are living in the last days, meaning we know how this thing is going to end up. We're not deceived like the world is. Our hope and trust is not in this world. We don't believe as, as the world believes that we're going to create some utopia down here, that we're going we're to cure cancer and we're going to get rid of poverty and we're going to get rid of all injustices and we're going to create a perfect world of, of equality where everybody is going to have this, this equal, equal access to, to all the world's advantages and, and there's not going to be any more disparities and no more injustice and we're going to have a perfect world in the here and now. We know better than that, brothers and sisters. We know that this world this age is going to end with God's judgment upon man's wickedness. And therefore, we are to be living not for this world, but for the world to come. Again, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 through 6. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 through 6, he says, For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. Notice the contrast between the people of God, the followers of Christ, and the people of the world. He says, you are aware, you know what's coming. You're not in darkness. You're not asleep like the people of the world are. In verse 3 it says, as soon as the people say peace and security, in other words, they think that they can find peace and security in this world. That's what the nations are after. That's what all of the politicians offer. We're going to have peace and security. And the Bible says that in that moment, sudden destruction will come upon them. But again, we are not like that. That day shouldn't catch us off guard. We shouldn't be fooled by these empty promises of a worldly temporal utopia. We are the children of the light. In other words, we know the truth. We know where history is headed. We know what's going to happen to this present age. Therefore, he says, let us not sleep. In other words, let us not be distracted. Let us not be, be drunk and, and uh, uh, intoxicated with the, with the pleasures of this world. Let us not be, be distracted with all of the, the vain and empty things of this world, but let us be watching let us be paying attention. And so he's warning, he's warning the disciples to watch. And watch for what? what? What's the threat here? Again, look at that 34th verse. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. The idea here is that 
is the heart being weighed down or being made heavy to the point where the heart becomes insensitive to the things of God. You see, in order that we might be prepared to stand before the Son of Man, we must have hearts that are tender to God. We must have hearts that are responsive to God. Our hearts must belong to the Lord. Our hearts must be set upon pursuing Christ and forsaking sin and bringing glory to God. We must have a sensitivity towards the things that God hates. We must hate sin. We must confess our sin and, and forsake our sin and turn from our sin. We should have hearts that are sensitive to, to, to the lost, that there are other people who need to escape this coming wrath. Our hearts should be sensitive to the things of God. Our hearts must be aligned to the will of God. But the thing is, there are so many spiritual obstacles. There are so many things that can weigh down the heart and desensitize us so that we are not prepared for our Lord when, when he returns, but we are desensitized to the things of God and we allow ourselves to be entangled in sin. Again, notice it. Watch yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness. That word dissipation is similar to drunkenness. He's speaking there of the effects of drunkenness. It carries the idea of, of a person who has a hangover or a person who's sick because he's eaten too much. Be, beware, watch yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness. In, in other words, the idea here is overindulgence. Be careful unless you be desensitized to the things of God because you are so absorbed in worldly pleasure. And there's nothing wrong with pleasure. Scripture tells us in 1 Timothy 6 that God has given us all things freely to enjoy. And so he's not suggesting here that pleasure is somehow wrong and sinful in and of itself. There's nothing wrong at all with enjoying the good things that God has created and has given us to enjoy. But we can abuse these gifts that God has given us to enjoy. We can abuse money by turning it into an idol and worshiping it. And the same with sex, the same with food, the same with drink, the same with pleasure. We can make an idol of these things. We can become engrossed in these things. And Jesus is telling the disciples here that when we do that, we risk having our hearts weighed down. Our hearts can become desensitized. And we lose, remember the, the, the saints in Ephesus in the book of Revelation in the letters to the seven churches. If you remember Jesus, his rebuke to the church in Ephesus was that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. You have lost your first love. But notice this also. He doesn't only here mention overindulgence in pleasures and in, 
and in the things of this world, but he also mentions worrying over the things of this life. Notice that. Watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. Even things that are not necessarily sinful in and of themselves, worrying about careers and worrying about accomplishing goals and taking care of the children and the family. These things too can weigh our hearts down. Too much worry over the things of this present life is an obstacle to spiritual growth. Jesus warned us about this before in the, in the parable of the soils. Notice what he said in Matthew 13 and 22. As he gives us the interpretation of what was meant by the seed which fell among thorns. He says, as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Brothers and sisters, we can become so absorbed in the things of this life, in careers, in our business, in accomplishing our goals, and even in the things pertaining to our families. Again, God wants us to be good stewards of the resources he's given us. He wants us to be good stewards of our family, our families and of the, the wealth and, 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 and our callings, our work, the things that he's given us to do. But none of these things are to become idols or means of, 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 of distracting us from God and hindering us from pursuing Christ. How all too often are we never available to serve Christ? How often is it that we, are, we make no progress in pursuing Christ? Because we're always too busy, too busy with work, too busy with the family, too busy for prayer, too busy to study the word, too busy to in, in, involve ourselves in mission. Christ says, beware of that. Beware of allowing the cares of this world to overburden your heart. But then next, Christ warns them of the suddenness of that coming day. The suddenness of that coming day. Again, look at the second part of that 34th verse. Watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. When the Lord returns, brothers and sisters, his return is going to be suddenly. We have signs. He's given us signs by which we know that his coming is near. But yet at the same time, the scripture tells us his coming is going to be as a thief in the night. Again, he tells us that in, in Matthew's account of this same discourse in Matthew 25, 42 through 44, it says, Therefore stay awake, 
for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And so we see that we must watch to be on our own guard, lest our hearts be overweighed with sin. We must watch because the coming of the Lord is going to be sudden. He's going to come quickly. He's going to come unexpectedly. We must be always ready. Just like the example Jesus gives there. The homeowner doesn't know the night or the hour that the thief is going to come break into his house. The thief is not going to call you or send you a text message and say, I'm going to come break in your house at 2 o'clock in the morning. Same thing. The Lord is not going to tell us. We must be constantly prepared. We must constantly be watching. And then he mentions the universality of that coming judgment. The universality of that coming judgment. Verse 35, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. No one's going to escape the coming judgment. The whole world is going to see his return. And all the wicked will be judged in that day. But what are we to do? How are we to stay prepared? What are we to do in order to prepare ourselves? And notice here, he gives us a warning concerning the need to pray. Look at verse 36. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. We see these two realities put side by side often in the scripture. The need to watch and pray. Not only are we to be alert, not only are we to pay attention, but we ought to be praying. We're no match for Satan. We're no match for sin in our own strength. We're no match for the seductions and the temptations and all of these things that can hinder us and sidetrack us from following Christ. We must be constantly relying upon God's grace. We must be constantly. That's what prayer is. Prayer is reliance upon God. Notice again what it says here in 1 Peter 4 and 7. 1 Peter 4 7 says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. If we're going to be spiritually ready, if we're going to be ready to fight the spiritual battle, we must be constantly in a state of dependence. We must be constantly praying and seeking God's help. But brothers and sisters, we can't live a life of prayer if our hearts are weighed down with overindulgence and the cares of this world. And so Peter is telling us here 
that we ought to have the self-control and we ought to be sober-minded. In other words, we are to live in such a way that our hearts are always ready and fit to pray. You see, that's another thing. Jesus mentioned having the heart overweighed, weighed down, overburdened with drunkenness and with the cares of this world. The idea here, brothers and sisters, is that when we are entangled in sin, our hearts are out of tune with God. We want to always have a clear line of access to the Father. We should always so live that at any moment we have the confidence and assurance that we can come into the throne room of our Father, the throne room of grace, and receive grace and help in the time of need. And so, brothers and sisters, this is a constant thing. We are to be constantly watching. We are to be constantly praying for God's help. And then lastly, I want, to, want us to hear one more passage. In 1 Peter 5 and 8, Peter says this, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, lion seeking someone to devour. And Satan has many instruments, he has many weapons that he uses to devour the people of God. He can use persecution, he can use tribulation, he can use affliction, but he can also use prosperity. He can use the seductions and the allurements of the world and of the culture. He uses deception. Brothers and sisters, all we have to do is look around at what's going on in our society right now. Our society is full of deception. And we see things being put in place right now. It won't be long, brothers and sisters. We'll see the persecution too. We'll see the persecution. It's coming. If you want to know what's coming to America, look at what's going on in Canada right now. Right now, people are being put in jail for protesting against perverted indoctrination of our children in the public schools, for speaking out against these things. The persecution is coming. And so, brothers and sisters, we can't, we can't ignore and hide from these things. We can't hide our face in the, in the ground and just think that we'll take a little nap and then in a few hours all of this will be passed that it'll pass over and we can go back to life as normal. No, brothers and sisters, this is a fight. This is a battle. And we must constantly be paying attention. We must constantly be on our guard. But remember, we can't do it in our own strength. And so we must watch and pray. We must constantly be depending upon the grace of God for help in order that we might escape the coming wrath and stand before the Son of Man at his return. Father in heaven, Lord God, we thank you for your word. Lord, you give us such a sobering word. Lord, help us to take heed. Help us, Lord God, to watch. Help us, Father, to take heed to the need for us to be constant in prayer. Remind us of our need, Lord, that we are desperately in need of you every hour. 
Oh, God, we love you and we thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been a podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Trenton, Michigan. For more information, please visit us online at fpchurch.tv.